right, you're listening to Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport on this week's episode, Summer's Last Jam. Labor Day weekend coming up, so I got together with Andrew Knowlton, our deputy editor, and Carl Lally Music, food director, to talk about the best things we cooked and ate all summer long, from grilled lobster to spicy lamb ribs to pesto of every variety. Uh, all sorts of great tips and recipes and advice from Carla and Andrew. So, uh, hey man, only a few days of summer left. Let's do this thing. Carla, Andrew, uh, we are recording this podcast on August 25th, which means there are only two more weekends unofficially left in summer. Make them count. That's not depressing to me because there's a few more days to grill out. You know what? Also, September's gorgeous in New York. It's September the is the best month in New York where we all live. Yeah. And you also can go, the, the, the thing, the unheraldedness, if that's a word, of September. It's not. It's not. <laughs> but it's probably the best month at the green market still. You go to the farmer's market, the oh, tomatoes, yeah. the corn, that's like when they're in full swing here. It is what I like to refer to as the, the, the shoulder month. It's the harvest time. And you've got your high summer, but you've also got the beginning of the fall. And depending on your own constitutional makeup you could be really psyched about that or or have a a little (laughs) bit of a it's a little hard when i see the new crop apples i'm not gonna lie it's like it sometimes is a little too soon but if you live in the south it's your second season starts because it gets too hot in june and july and then you get that second wave of produce in september so what comes up in tomatoes you get your second tomato season second tomatoes well i mean it's basically mimicking if you live in new england the northeast that is, this is your harvest time. So you right get now. first tomatoes in like June, yeah. and then you go, oh, oh wow. May, June, and then it goes and then dark, it, and then it comes back. Nightshade. It's amazing. I was talking to a chef the other day, and he was saying the reality of the harvest in the Northeast is that tomatoes don't really come into. I didn't have my first really good tomato until last week, probably. Yeah. In mid August. And September is when they're the best, but yet at that point, and people come to restaurants, he's like, yeah, everyone wants like, Pumpkin, you know, ravioli in September. Like, but that's like when you really should be serving. I feel all like when stuff. football starts, that's you don't want a tomato sandwich anymore. No. no. So this is what we're doing this podcast. Summer's the last jam. <laughs> we are talking about the best things we each cooked all summer. Uh, maybe some new some new entries into your personal canons. Carla, are you one of those persons who does the green beans and potatoes in your pesto? I know it's the double carb uh, pasta dish, but it's delicious and it's classic. It's a classic Italian thing. I think it's Genovese. I want to say it is. What's So what's the technique in terms of boiling the potatoes, the pasta, the green? What's the timing on all that? I mean, usually what I like to do is boil the potatoes in the pasta water, right? Take them out. So they're done. They're done. And are you using like little baby new potatoes? That's or? the thing. Like there are those really nice baby potatoes right now. Yeah. I just saw them the other day, actually, Union Square Farmer's Market. Um and then cooking those through, taking them out, and then generally I'll put the green beans in at the end of the pasta cooking time. So, like, the potatoes come out, the pasta goes in, heavily, and then— Heavily salted water. Heavily. Just yeah. make it rain. <laughs> Seawater, you know? Uh, and then at the end of that, taking your green beans, which if you have the little nice filet beans, you know those are in the market right now. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like haricot vert. They're very okay. thin. If you've got a green bean or a wax bean, which are a little thicker, you might want to cut them into bite-sized pieces and then throw that in. While the pasta is still in there? While the pasta is going. And I do like the green beans. Like normally if I was just going to snack on green beans, I would want a little crunch left. But for the pasta, you want kind of 
al dente, but the same texture as the pasta, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So a little bit longer cooked. And then dump everything out, save some of the pasta water. And I like to loosen, like put the pesto in the serving bowl yep. and loosen it up with the pasta cooking liquid. And this is something you do room temperature? Do you do you eat it room temperature I as would, well? I would, but yeah. it's pretty it's it's stay, it's hot. It's like carbonara. Is the that, way you like finish the sauce off heat. Right. You know? It sounds like a good picnic pasta sure, too. Totally. You know? Delicious. Cold, I love cold potatoes, cold green beans with cold pasta. But you don't have to put the potato in. That's right. like, but it's one of those things. Like sometimes we like to put breadcrumbs on our pasta. Mm. So it's, you know, double carving is not necessary. Well, no, because I would say with some of my pastas that I've been doing this summer is whatever beans I have, whether they're garbanzo beans mm. or just cannellini beans, is just adding some of that at the last minute just to kind of. Oh, at the last minute. Interesting. Yeah, just Claire so, wait, wait, wait. Does, so you have like a, you have some already cooked beans in your fridge, you mean? I, I, no, I just have them in the can. Like oh, the can. canned beans. And I just literally, when the pasta's, when I'm kind of glossing the pasta up yeah. with whatever sauce. Like I a just, spoonful of beans. A spoonful of beans in there just to give a little bit more. What? So not even, not even heated up. Not or even heated or up. It kind of does it anyway. With your pestos, are you, have you been mixing it up with yeah. all the different herbs? It's not just basil no. and pine nuts. You can, any kind of formula. Totes. I, yeah. I was at a friend's house in Montauk a couple weeks ago and. I had basil, I had parsley, I had some baby, like a nice tender baby kale, um, everything from mm. Balsam Farms out in Amagansett, which is the greatest place. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Balsam Farms. Mm -hmm. And just put every, all of those, all of them together. I didn't even have pine nuts. We used almonds. Do you, when you say put all of them together, because I'm curious about the, the, the um, you said, uh, you say kale or leeks? What did you just say? Kale. Kale, which is. A, a sturdy green. Do you put that in like a Vitamix or what do you? Yeah. yeah. The ama Amazingly, the house that she was staying at had a Vitamix. I bring my Vitamix. So that's like my do safety you? net. <laughs> I do because we make a lot of smoothies. We bring smoothies to the mm. beach too. Um, but it's, it's great for pesto. So I like pulse the Parmesan in the Vitamix, add one or two cloves of raw garlic, a handful. I toasted the nuts. I was oh, I yeah, did that also going for that. Toasted some some almonds, put that in there, and then I just roughly chopped all the herbs up together and put them in and blended it up. A lot of olive oil, a lot of parm. Yeah. It was really good. I usually do it with my southern roots. Get young collard greens mm. and then pecans. Sticking I with wanted it. The pecans, pecans and I couldn't find pecans. my pecans. And then we have this good Georgia tome cheese. Uh huh. And it's it's a it's a goat cheese, a semi firm Whoa. goat cheese, and so you get it's basically a Georgia Is it Georgia, yeah, and it's got it got a little bit more texture to the to the um, pesto, but it's like a Georgia pesto, and just toss that and and cold too. It's really, I good think what yeah, what's cool about pesto, uh, if you're not a experienced cook like Carl Lolly, music food director, bon appetit. Um, <laughs> Extraordinary. Yeah, it is It is just a formula. You have your nuts, whether it's pine nuts or almonds or walnuts. You have like some green thing, as you just mentioned, a bunch of different herbs. And you've got, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be Parmesan, but I like Parmesan. And then you have yeah. your olive oil. And it's like any combination thereof till it's creamy and delicious and bright. And yeah. One of my house guests put a, a vegan in the house was just putting nutritional yeast into their pesto. I made uh, a Caesar salad the other night. We had leftover Caesar dressing from our Hail Caesar story, mm. which is great. Um, it's in the house a lot. And I just was too lazy, honestly, to get out the parm. This is to like shred parm. I was too lazy. It was like in the baggie and rag. I was just like, I don't uh. feel like it. So I just put um, nutritional yeast over the whole thing. I also feel like that's the title of like Andrew Knowlton's third book. 
a vegan in the house. <laughs> what um, right, an Nolten, Andrew Knowlton mystery. I thought it was going to be too lazy to grate Parm. Yeah. The Andrew Knowlton story. No, um, that would be mine. Andrew, you uh, you visit your parents a lot in Maine, um, the great state of Maine up there, uh, known for its lobsters. I've never. I'm not a huge lobster guy, but that also might be because I, I don't. I honestly don't know. Like I. I've never cooked lobster. Don't I've did it once on the grill with my friend Rue, and they were it was of course too dark by the time we were grilling, right. and then half the lobsters were incredibly underdone in that weird like translucent. Yeah, yeah and then you half don't want them, that. Half of them were overcooked in rubbery, and I was like, Ugh. it was just. Yeah, if only it, you had had a headlamp. I know I need a headlamp. So what's your, uh, when you're up in Maine? What's your preferred? treatment well definitely i go for soft shell i was gonna say can we soft talk shell about lobsters, soft shell which is not shell? soft shell is not like a crab soft shell you don't eat the shell mm-hmm. it's after the lobsters have molted and they're getting their new shells so the the meat tends to be sweeter but mm-hmm. how do you know what to, how do you know when when to get these and how do you know well, if usually, you're getting in them? maine it's a summer thing you're going summer into fall so right now is you get your soft shells um, do, you they, to, do you have to ask for them, or that's just what you get? No, they will sell them. Any place that is worth mm-hmm. their their weight in lobster will will say new shell, hard shell, uh, and the new shells usually are more expensive. Mm. What is what is the rate these days for lobster per pound? In Maine, Maine, it's I mean Maine. If if you get a decent guy down at the docks, you can get it for probably. Four ninety nine to five ninety nine a pound. I think here it's like between nine and twelve. Yeah, which is not too bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when lobster was like twenty right. bucks a pound. It has gotten cheaper, right? In the last it it has. I mean, yeah. it, not to get political about it, but it, it is tough for the lobstermen right now. I mean, you should if they should be more expensive than four ninety nine a pound. Right. Anyway, so I get soft shell uh, meat tends to be sweeter, and the fun thing is for the whole crowd is we've never seen somebody. In the lobster's life, um, I put them in the freezer. I you think. do. What do you do? Uh, it depends. Do you feel bad about it? Sometimes I feel a little bit conflicted okay. about going head first with a living, yeah. living being. But then sometimes I think we're omnivores, you know. So I go and back as, and forth. As long as they don't write angry emails to bonapetit.com, you know, then you're okay with yeah, it. I'm okay oh, with okay. it. Yeah. Don't 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 tweet at me, lobsters, and like get mad at me. I'm sorry. Oh, but, yeah. but what about the lobster lovers? I usually do, and I'm not being corny. Like I actually do this. Say some um, words before. I you... do. I like. Really? So, yeah. Sometimes I like. Yeah. I read somewhere at some point that, like, if you kind of pet them in between their weird, beady insect eyes, that it calms them down. And so I usually, like, give them a little pat. And if one of the kids is with me, like, it's good to say, like, hey, you know, lobster, you're – it's all – at least you're not dying in vain. We're going to do something really right. delicious with it's you. Like, it's like, <laughs> like you ended up on a good table. It's like, I don't know. It's like lobster grace. You're saying lobster A little grace. bit. Well, you go on a, like – Thank the animal for right. giving its life but that's, to you. That's a dilemma with lobster. If you're going to eat it, it needs to be alive right before you eat it because yeah. that's how good it is. Anyway, for sure. And so, even like if there's a few hours between when you picked it up and when you're cooking it, you'll notice like, you know, a guy that was super excited in the store can be a little floppy. Yeah. So we end their life somehow. And then you literally put your knife like right in the top of its head and kind of slice it in half. And it's got some goo in there, which you can take out. You can take out the green tamale if you want. Um, I leave it in. It's got a nice texture to it. And not, my kids usually give me theirs because uh-huh. they do not prefer that. And then I just brush it with a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of salt and pepper if you want. And then you just put it uh, cut side down on a medium grill, direct heat. Mm. And it 
you know, when the shell turns red, it's done. Right. You know, you so, don't want to overcook it. So that's the telltale sign? I mean, lobster takes two, three minutes. It's really quick. I mean, If it's halved un- like that. Yeah. If it's yeah. halved like that. And you're doing it uncovered. And you're doing it uncovered. The one thing I do, do recommend. I was just about to Sorry. say that. What you do do is you crack the claws just with a backside of a knife or a hammer just to get a little bit of a... A little bit of a break in there to let some of that heat get in there a little bit more. I don't like the claws anyway. They get they're chalky to me. Oh, the tail's the best part. If it's oh my cooked. god, we are opposite. Really? Yeah, love love the claw. No, see, it gets too chalky at times. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's something about it. The tail's got a nice texture if it's not overcooked. Yes, but that's what I, I often feel like. I get like the overcooked, chewy, like springy. Like, yeah, but it's usually you're getting it in a lobster roll, and it's you know somebody's just cooking it to oblivion, and then mixing it up with some mayonnaise, you know, or pouring hot butter on on. It. I'm not a lobster roll fan. I, I do like it out of the shell. And then something that a few years ago we ran an amazing recipe for kind of a lobster fra diavolo. Oh, the pasta. pasta. Yeah. So I will take some of that meat and. You know, put it back into the pan. I'll undercook it in the shell, and then put a little butter, and then add just some chili flake and stuff like that, and then toss it with angel hair pasta. I do the same thing with undercooking a lobster and then taking it out of the shell, and but I do the burst tomato sauce, and then I throw the lobster meat in. At the so end. you just throw a bunch of really beautiful tomatoes in a pan. Yeah, low Let heat. Them, yeah, no high heat. Oh, high Olive heat. oil. Little garlic, but not cut up too small so it doesn't burn. Throw the cherry tomatoes in there. As soon as the skin split, you get a little juices going. Throw the lobster in there, tossy tossy. That's good with a dollop of pesto. Mm, actually, yeah, I will say this. I, another time, I made a pretty good pasta, and again, it was like what's what's lying around the counter from the green market. Threw a bunch of stuff in a pan and had something. Oh, I have a pes- bit of pesto in the fridge. And you, a dollop of pesto can sort of change the complexion of so many dishes. It's just that immediate, oh, yeah. like ooh. It yeah, kind of livens it up. I mean, it's one of those things that, like a salsa verde or a chimichurri, you should always have in your in your kitchen. Just really in concentrated in the summer months. All right, yeah. a question. Now, so when we were preparing for this podcast, you guys sent me some emails. You both mentioned pork shoulder chops, mm. which I think to the average guy like me, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna go buy the really expensive, beautiful rib chops, jacketed and fat from this heritage breed. Yada yada yada. Talk to me about pork shoulder chops and why are they different? Well, I think we were talking about two slightly different things. So when Andrew said pork shoulder chops, you're talking about the ones that have the bone in, right? And no, there's no, not necessarily. Oh, no. No. Okay. And then you talk about your p- pork shoulder chops. So I go for still quality meat, yeah. quality pork, but the cheapest cut that I can find and the fattiest. So usually a shoulder chop or Something that like nobody else is buying. I go to the butcher shop to get this. So, yeah. but usually it's a shoulder chop, and then I have the butcher slice them almost as thin as he can get them. Not mm. not not scallopini, uh, but like, but like a half inch. I would say yeah, half inch, half inch thick. And I, I want fat on there. I want like some people be like, no, I'm not eating that. But trust me on this. And then I'll get twenty of them. Thin cut. Thin cut. Right. And then I will literally pound the crap out of them with a meat tenderizer. This is just like when you're just cooking for yourself at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 20, 20 rib, 20 shoulder chops. And, I, and the kids get involved too because they love, and I, I'll make holes in the meat. I don't care. This is not something to go like delicate with. And, That's and your scotadito technique it's too. It's my scotadito. Yeah. I do it with lamb chops yep. as well, yep. but usually pork. And then I'll, you, we, we were talking about nok chom the other day, yep. which is a dressing, uh, a Vietnamese dressing that has a little bit of sugar, a little bit of fish sauce, a little bit of lime juice. That's chilies. Chilies. 
And then you can kind of customize it if you want with ginger or cilantro. But I'll usually, I actually use that as a little bit of a marinade to get some sugar on there. Because um, they're going to cook they're for cook. such a short amount of time. And then yeah. I, the highest grill I can, I will throw those 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 little pork uh, chops on there. And it takes a minute, 30 seconds per side. Do you even turn side. them? You do. I do turn well, them. You know what's nice about that? Well, two things. I was doing these videos yesterday at Carla's house. Thank oh, you, yes, Carla, for lending, lending us your backyard about gas grills and charcoal grills. And if you're doing something thin like that, like you can't. You basically can't use a gas grill because the gas grill is not going to no, get hot enough. And no. you end up with those overcooked, yeah. not charred, rubbery chops. It's you very want, disappointing. You want it ripping hot. And I think what's nice about the nok chom, the fact that it has sugar in mm-hmm. there, it accelerates the caramelization process yeah. on the chop. So you like so it's like a minute, total minute and a half and, maybe. And then you're done. And then I always have a little bit of rice, short grain rice, Japanese rice. And then I can't, I will even chop those chops up mm. for the kids and then literally put a, a big bowl with, with steaming hot uh, sushi rice and then put the meat on top mm. and then literally pour the nak chom mm. over top, a little bit of cilantro, maybe some peanuts, mm. some cashews. Ooh, peanuts, yes. And that is like the perfect summer kind of Do you cooking. lettuce wrap mm. at that point? Or you, you could. Just eat you it could like no, a, you could like lettuce wrap. You could do a little, a little psalm if you want, a bow psalm and put that inside but that that technique is like I'm quick that. easy yeah doing that this weekend what about you carl what's your pork so chop my um shoulder chop revelation came when i was with um rachel yang in seattle who has a handful of korean restaurants at this point yes and in portland oregon too now oh that's right yeah, oh expanding. and where we'll be there yeah. um and she did a gochujang shout out to feast portland the food festival which is september 14? 14th 15th 16th around that 14th region. through the 17th or if you're in portland or even in the pacific northwest or if you're not it's worth coming to it it is it's kind of the coolest food festival around all the it's, chefs it's one of those festivals that you don't have to ask the chefs to come they want to come it's totally. like, if you like chefs with tattoos, you will love Feast Portland. And it's still summer in Portland yeah. at that time, too. Big time. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. All right, so anyways, back to pork Okay, chops. so she, um, I went out there a few years ago, and it was a story about Korean grilling, and she did a technique with uh, boneless pork shoulder. She had the whole shoulder, and it was a gochujang marinade, which is the fermented Korean chili paste that also has miso and some sugar and spice, and and it was very simple, Um it was pretty simple marinade, but it, what blew my mind was that she cut them. So she just got a boneless pork shoulder, and then she cut them into pretty thick, like an inch or an inch and a half thick steaks without mm. really worrying about the grain or the whatever. Mm-hmm. She just cut them into these giant like slabs and then grilled them very high heat um, for not that long. So it was super juicy inside. And pork shoulder, I guess for me, I was always, you know, thought of as a braising cut or something you had to cook like really for a really long time. And, um, this was, you know, three, four minutes on either side. The marinade did help it get really beautiful color. And I was amazed how like juicy and tender it was. So sort of the texture of like strip steak or, you know, Mm -hmm. somewhere in between a ribeye and strip steak. So there's some chew to it, but it's not, it's not like chewy. It's not like skirt steak or flank. I think that's interesting. And we've talked about this before on the pod, but especially with the Korean grill on and they, Korean barbecue really appreciates the chewiness, the texture of its its various cuts of meat. And I've now started in the last couple of years grilling just boneless short ribs mm-hmm. as steak and then slicing against totally. the grain. You can also do the thing where you have the short ribs, you slice them first. Like, is that kalbi mm-hmm. or bulgogi? Which ones you – I always forget which one you slice for. Anyways, but 
doing it that way. Uh, you can also do brisket. Brisket in, you know, at that same trip. That was wise. another lesson I learned of like do, do brisket with just like nothing like salt. That was it. When you when you serve short ribs and and um brisket yeah like that to people it yeah. blows their mind because we always think of it as oh you got to braise it during the winter and totally so, but yeah. when you have it for the first time it's like what cut is this well because the flavor oh. is like that delicious so any so when i do the pork pork shoulders i will include i might not do that marinade but i always try to do something with like garlic maybe it's a little olive oil but i will put like a pinch of sugar in there um and it just helps the caramelization and the key other thing that you mentioned is like it's fatty and like yeah, good fat really you know yeah. it's sort of basting itself so delicious but if you're doing the brisket cuz i i have the image of the photo in my head from that story and it was a gorgeous photo that the brisket you sliced first and then grilled it yeah but with the brisket the trick if you're in a store that doesn't have the brisket pre-cut, which mm -hmm. some Asian markets will or Korean grocery yep. store, they have all those grilling things already set up for mm -hmm. you. Um, but if you are just buying a piece of brisket, the trick is to just freeze it for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes until it's firm enough. And then it's much easier to, to thinly slice. But you're also, are you going with the flat end as opposed to the thicker, fattier end of the brisket? No, Probably. you want the fattier end. Really? Yeah. For, for grilling? I mean, I, I generally like it. I just didn't know there's if so much more fat going on If it's thinly enough, then that fat will also render. The last few times I've cooked out on Long Island, I went to the Eight Hands Farm near me, and they had these lamb ribs. I was like, oh, lamb ribs. Yum. I've read about those in Bon Appetit magazine. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and so I'm like, give me like three of those things. There's four people. It seemed like enough. Um, and I used riffed on that recipe from BA a couple months ago, years ago where it has like the ground coriander mm -hmm. and fennel seed, salt, pepper. Seamus Mullen. Yeah, I threw yeah. a little sugar in there and I mm. just chopped up some garlic and, and, and ginger and sort of wrapped each rib rack in foil, put it in the oven for three hours, just like I would do spare ribs. So you, you know, did the doing... best ever BA pork rib technique exactly. on the lamb ribs. Once again, it all comes back to technique. It's like pesto. It's like you can riff on stuff. Like, yeah, pork ribs, lamb ribs, basically same difference. Season them. Get them spicy, wrap them up, put them in the oven until they're fall apart tender. Um, and then on the grill, so I grilled them up on a hot grill so they got all crispy on the outside. The recipe in the magazine is like a, a rhubarb something or other yeah. glaze, yeah. maple syrup glaze. I'm like, well, I don't have all that. But I did have some chill, some honey. So I was right. like, so I heated up in a pot some honey with some smashed garlic and chili flakes and then just drizzled that all over these spicy, fragrant ribs. And they were already tender, so now oh you're God. just, like, crisping them. Yeah, so I crisped them on the—oh, I, I did the glaze after they were off the grill. Oh, you did? Yeah, because the grill was—I didn't want to burn them. They were and hot they were, enough. they were pretty meaty? Oh, they were so—I mean, just so yeah. crispy, so—you know, lamb fat is—so it's a really rich— a Lamb good, fat. Yeah. yeah. So that was like, wow, I'm definitely making lamb ribs from now on. Not all the time, but— that they're they're right there with pork ribs. I'm like, if you can find them, it's hard to find them, them. But you know, yeah, it's a, you're you're using the exact same. If you ever make you know baby backs or spare ribs on your grill, just do the same thing, but with lamb. Um, but what I've done the last couple of times I've cooked is like, I feel like ten years ago, if I was grilling or doing whatever, I would make like roast potato or potato salad or rice. Now I just do vegetable sides. Yeah. And it's like I get one good piece of meat in the middle, like pork chops. I'll do like knock chom, slice those up for the table, and then this last time I just. There's, you know, amazing tomatoes finally, just like big heirlooms and sun golds and cherries. Chop those up, oil, oil, basil, salt. 
and then kind of went old school. I had some a beautiful like peach hued uh, watermelon mm. that I chopped up. Had mm. got some feta cheese with that watermelon. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, tossed the feta, the watermelon with some quinoa, which I just made, which I emailed you about, like or texted you, like what's the best way to make quinoa, whatever. Which we did like pasta style, yep. hot boiling water, hot, but like, a big pot of boiling water, put it in there until it's almost done. Pour it on a sheet tray, let it dry out a bit. Yeah. Um, and then just a ton of fresh mint and a shallot vinaigrette. So it was just really nice, like, having a meal where there's, like, tomatoes, there's quinoa and watermelon, and then some ribs. Like, no onion rolls, no hash browns, yeah. no cream <laughs> spinach. Like, you buy good meat. The meat is so satisfying in its sort of unctuousness. And then just a lot of fresh vegetables. When I did pork chops last time with the nakjama, I did uh, bok choy on the side, and then grilled up some zucchini with fresh mint and garlic. And I don't know. It's just it's, – it's, it's, it's indulgent. It's satisfying. But it's you don't need to take a nap afterwards. Totally, it, I love eating like that because you get you feel su- for, first of all like super nourished by that food because it's so fresh and delicious, and then you can eat a lot. It's delicious, and then but afterwards, so you're like full and satisfied, but you don't feel ill. I, I think an eye opening moment for me was was actually Scandinavia going to Norway or going to Copenhagen. And when they were going through that whole like charring every vegetable they could get their hands on, almost like blackening, it looked it looked burnt. And I started just grilling my vegetables like that, no matter if it was green beans or the allium family or fairy tale eggplant or whatever it was, just charring it. And then, like you well, said, when you when you say it- are you talking on the grill or on a cast iron? Oh, no, salad? always on the grill. I would have either, uh, you know, those kind of gimmicky little vegetable baskets yeah. that you can uh-huh. buy. Or there's there's actually little aluminum, I don't know if it's aluminum, but little sheets that you just put onto the grill so that the, the little uh, eggplant or the green beans yeah. don't fall through the grates. Right. And that's just something you can do after you take your meat off, whatever you're cooking and it's resting, you just throw those vegetables on there. And then, like you said, Adam whether you have a shallot vinaigrette or you just mix a little bit of tahini with some water and some lim- uh, lime juice or lemon juice and you drizzle that over whatever charred vegetable you have. You yeah. said you mentioned the allium family. I'm a big fan of the allium are family. You? But like, like, so what, what, like, what, what sort of stuff are you throwing any, on like, there? I mean, spring garlic or just baby leeks. Any good onion that you can find, just grill that. Onions have such that the sugars just concentrate when yeah. you put them on the grill. What I like to do, and I always, anytime I'm at the farm stand, I always just grab a, a big bunch of, good scallions and the mm-hmm. kind you get at a farm stand they're big and tall and you can like smell them and i would do what andrew died i'll char them on the grill so they're charred on the outside but still almost like almost like molten on the inside yeah, you know yeah. and then i would just chop them up and then i'll toss those into like a rice salad or a farro salad mm-hmm. or quinoa or whatever totally. and, then, and you get that char and super sweetness at the same time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another crossover vegetable we're talking about starches and potatoes and not having them and feeling good so one of those for me that kind of does double duty is corn like corn is oh, a yeah. starch and a veg mm-hmm. and yep. is also when it's in season is like it's just there's nothing nothing like it it's the best. Um, and my the way that I've been cooking it lately, this is a Karalali technique, actually. But I just started doing this, and then I asked her how – that's my mom – how she does her corn. And she was like – told me, and it was the exact same way. I was like, is it a – it's just a fusion of our, of our genetic material. Um, so bringing a pot of water but not – you know how like when you're boiling corn, you just have to have so much – because of the height of the thing, a, big a, pot. Big a the lot of yeah. yeah, it's like a lot of water, and it takes forever. So I'm not doing that anymore. I'm bringing like three or four inches of water up to a boil. Dude, I did this last time, but only because like Simone 
that's my wife, um, <laughs> put like a big, like we had like a big skillet or something on, and filled it up with a couple inches of water. And I'm like, well, I guess this that'll work. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So and what do you do? So bring it up to a boil, definitely heavily salt it. Um, shuck the corn. Last year I was all about grilling it with the husks no, on. Now I'm like no. shucking and getting it in there and then putting it in, covering it, turning off the heat and letting it sit for, you know, depending on the size of them, four to six, seven minutes. And I'm actually over the like crunchy corn vibes, like barely cooked and still crunchy. And this summer I'm kind of into like not overcooked, but like almost soft, just, cream, yeah. Cream and it corn. is... Hmm. delicious. So we've been hmm. really embracing. Wait, are like, you eating that off the cob or yeah. are you making it in salads? No, no I'm just it. like a, a little, like changing that technique, cooking it a little bit longer. You have to have amazing corn and then really just getting into the, like put the ear of corn on the stick of butter. No, no, it. no. I do not approve of that. Why? Just, the butter looks so, ugh, it's just oh, like it's all messy. Best. And then if you're like the fourth person to go, the butter's already, ugh. Well, that's why the stick of butter has to actually be like cool. It's, I, the you, best. And then you can see the butter. It's like like watching um, hot dogs rotating on those little round griddle <laughs> things. Like you're just churning. And it's like you can see the butter going through the kernels. Ugh, Before so we good. get to our lightning round, and there will be a lightning oh, round. Oh, wow. Guys. I didn't even know. Uh, you were talking about cold brew with sweetened condensed milk. Why not? You know? It's like taking uh, a Vietnamese iced coffee concept, but just using strong cold brew. Actually, if you can get Grady's cold brew, which is now sold in all different kinds of sizes, and they also make this Grady's, they're like giant coffee tea sachets, right? And they make it very easy for you to to brew cold brew at home where you're just putting it in a jar of cold water. Um, cold brew, sweetened condensed milk, put them together, put them in a cocktail shaker, crack some ice in there, shaky, wow. shaky, shaky. So it's like a um, shakerado, but mm -hmm. it's a little bit sweet and it's cold yeah. and it is. How sweet is sweetened condensed milk? Very, very, right. very so sweet. You, so you, so <laughs> yeah. That's Sickeningly it, it looks sweet. like syrup. But so it's never going to look the same light color of your iced coffee with milk yeah. because if you put that much in, it would actually be, you, look, it would just be gross. It'll kill you. It'll kill you. But um, yeah, maybe, I don't know, a couple teaspoons of sweetened condensed milk for 12 ounces of coffee. Shake it all around. Pour it over more ice. Grady. Delicious. Um, Grady himself actually used to be a fact checker at GQ when I worked there. No way. And he was like, I'm going to go start this well, ice coffee thing. Like, like, good luck with that, Grady. He worked at Bon Appetit, too. When was he at Bon App? Like, Right when, right when we relaunched the magazine, uh, he was a he was a research guy here too. Yeah. Really, and he was just starting Grady's Coffee, and he literally like biked around the city with yes. like yes. jars of. Well, now he's all over, and he's in the, all the Whole Foods and all over the country. Now he owns Bon Appetit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can get it for cheap these days. No, I'm a fan. I like I like Grady's Coffee because. Um, a, it's really dark. I like a concentrated yeah, cold brew. I, when I get a cold brew that's like looks like iced tea, it just depresses me. Um, it's also interesting because he also includes chicory right. in his blend, which is what you get down at uh, Cafe Dumont in New Orleans and that around those parts. And it has that chocolatey flavor. Although n n chicory does not have caffeine, correct? So if you blend, you, it, does so it, not. it sort of lessens the caffeine content yeah. in your coffee. Well, it's good for some of us. Yeah. Um, but for you guys, is 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 iced coffee a year round thing? It's not just summertime anymore. I can't believe correct? you're asking me that question. For me, it's seasonal. Coffee. It's a hundred very seasonal for me. For you, it's I have, year -round. I have two words for you: three sixty-five seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, three sixty-four twenty-seven twenty-four three sixty-five. 
three sixty five days, seven you don't days drink, a week. You don't drink whatever that drip saying coffee, is. do you? You don't just drink coffee. I rarely drink drip coffee. You drink espresso, yeah. or iced coffee, yeah, or iced espresso, that. yeah, or so, iced espresso. So when you yeah. go to a diner, like a real diner, what are you drinking? Uh, how often do I go to real diners? Well, no, I don't I, know. <laughs> but if you went to a roadside place, like you're not getting the no, I will. Of- I will. No, I'll tell you when I drink regular drip coffee. Like yeah, if I'm just at, I mean, I had some the other day when I was somewhere. I was like, yeah, it's fine. And then or uh, room service. All right, guys, this has been awesome. Summer's the last jam. We got two weekends left, but before you go, we are doing the lightning round. Mm. All right. I'm ready. I've never been a part of a lightning round. Well, you're about to be. I don't know if I have either. I've administered lightning rounds. All right, so this is summer-themed, obviously. Flip-flops or Birkenstocks? Flip-flops. Obviously Birkenstocks. Oh, God, (laughs) Flip-flops hurt my little toe Uh, crease. All right, so no, I told you, I looked at the day, I was like, like, oh, maybe I want to get some of those cool, like, matte black Birkenstocks as, like, my office slippers of sorts, because they look really comfortable. I could wear them in the summertime. They're $270. Yeah, they're more expensive than Air Jordans. The regular ones are not that much. The regular ones with the cork whatever sole are like half I like half. had my special leather braided woven Birkenstocks sent from Germany because I couldn't find them anywhere else and like had to do a customs form and a whole thing and it was worth it. Give me a $10 pair of sandals. I like, I'm an Adidas slide guy. I just like the slides. I know it's like, I'm like a college athlete sort of thing, but I like, I, you, know what I, I, you know. know what I really love? Going to get coffee in the morning. Wearing my slides with socks. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. It's it's like I'm on the water polo team. I have many pairs of Birkenstocks. Okay. Uh, Maryland blue crabs or Maine lobster? Maryland blue crabs. Wow, it says the Maine guy. Yeah. Lobster. You, you just like I'm like a crab boil I, sort of I'm thing. I'm a crab guy. I, I, if there's a crab and a lobster at a bar, I'm going to talk to the. Crab <laughs> <laughs> All right. Strawberry shortcake bar or chocolate eclair bar? Oh, we've talked about this. Chocolate eclair bar. This is a good humor question. Really? But chocolate eclair bar versus toasted almond. Uh, well, I like the strawberry shortcake bar personally. Well, Although, but that, but that but that secret chocolate in the middle of the yes. chocolate eclair bar yeah. is 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 kind of a great. Surprise. I would never get the strawberry shortcake bar, and I would also never get strawberry ice cream if given I, a choice. I don't like fake. I don't like fake strawberries. I think. You, but, all right, can I say this though? When you if you ever get like at a restaurant or page whatever, but good actual homemade strawberry ice cream is pretty amazing. Sure. When it's done. Yeah. Well. When it's done. Yes. It's just That's, not my first choice. All right. Grilled burger or grilled dog. Oh, burger. It has to be grilled. Yeah, I'm talking on the grill. I'm gonna say hot dog. I don't I'm not I'm not a fan of grilled burgers. What if can it be grilled in a skillet on no, the grill? That's, no, we're not talking smash burgers. Yeah. That's oh. What do you put on your dog? Just yellow mustard. Mm. You know what's yeah, also- then I'm switching to dogs too. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I said on the grill. You know what's also really good on a hot dog, Carla? Tell me. Avocado. Ew. Avocado, avocado, avocado. No, bear with me because I know you vetoed me on this hot dog story two years ago. But every not I, me. It was like an entire army of people who tried it. Coleslaw, avocado, a little drizzle of like mustard. You know what you should put on dog, there on a charred dog. You get the charred of the do- char of the dog, the creaminess Wait, of the mustard slaw, with and the, avocado and the butteriness of the avocado. Well, you put the mustard on the on the coleslaw part. Why don't you just put some cold like pads of butter on there? <sighs> Same Anyways, thing. all right, moving on in the lightning round. Beach or pool? Oh, biatch. 
Yeah, beach all the way. Pool all the way. I hate sand. Don't like <laughs> I don't like it's too sunny. I don't like the sand. I don't like eating in the sand. Like kids, like you no matter how many times if you have young kids, you how many times you tell them to not walk on the beach blanket when they get out of the water with sandy feet, they will still walk okay. right across the beach. Do you beach know blanket. what we do? We we this summer we started if you walk across the the towel while it's on the beach, uh, a golden retriever puppy dies. Oh, that's wow. what we tell them and it works and they and then sometimes my youngest sig will step on it and be like oh, oh no, a, no. Golden, a golden retriever puppy just died oh, no. anyway you should try it if you have kids it works uh, you know what I do with my kids I don't tell them not to walk on towels with sandy feet because it is a pointless exercise it's just like yeah. why even bother bring just some chip. chairs just don't get sand in the chips in the bag of chips that's, that is I get oh, so no. angry that's what Worst. happens though when you go to the beach that's what happens I like the beach at like 9 a.m. And I like the beach at like 5.30 p.m. Anytime in between, it's too hot and too sandy. You are the oldest 40-year-old I know. <laughs> uh, I wish I was 40. Okay, uh, this is not legal in the great state of New York, but bottle rocket or Roman candle? Oh, Roman candle all the way. Roman candle, I grew up with Roman candle wars. I mean, we would literally point them at each other. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents, I think, watched. They didn't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're holding, up a, but I will say taking uh, taking bottle rockets, lighting them, and then throwing them up in the air is is one of life's great. See, pleasures. that's great because if you use a bottle rocket, you're sort of pointing them. But when no. you throw them in the air, you don't know which way they're going to go. No, you don't. Because once they take off, <laughs> no, you they could be pointing in any direction. Yeah, they're good out of Coke bottles too. You put yeah. them in Coke. Yeah, bottles. but then but in a Coke bottle, you know the trajectory yes, more true. or less. But we would do that. We would hold the Coke bottle just because it was a little bit safer. Oh, okay. So you light it in the Coke yeah. bottle. For the record, uh, we at Bon Appetit don't condone. <laughs> of this behavior. Well, but in Connecticut, you can have a fireworks display. So we saved up a stash from 4th of July, and we're going to have a big fireworks show mm. for Labor Day. In nice. the summer. Um, On the lawn. Uh, Try not to burn Carla, I've done down. a version of this question with you, but not Knowlton. Um, hard packed or soft serve? I can't mm. believe you have to think about it. I, I, I'm soft serve. What? Yeah, I feel like I don't even Wait, you don't know like soft you. Serve? It's not that during I don't, the summer. It's not that I don't like it. I prefer hard pack. No, I like soft. And oh. If it has magic shell on it, even better. Yeah, I will do. I'm gonna kind of split hairs. I don't know. So I'm gonna. You can't. If, you have to do no, one or the other. I'm, That's the okay, whole I'm thing saying, with the lightning I'm, I'm gonna explain this at home on the sofa while watching like billions or something. I'm eating like out of a pint of like McConnell's double well, you chip. You can't get soft yeah serve. because well, no, you no, don't no, have no, a soft serve no, machine in your house. Well, hold on, let me finish. I'm but just if saying, Mr. if you hear that, Mister Sir, when softy. it's when it's summertime and I'm out and I go to an ice cream place and a lot of the ice cream places you have the option between hard pack or soft serve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I will always go soft serve. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm at an ice cream place. I'm getting soft serve because I can get hard pack any other time of year at home. Right. I can just walk to the corner store and get a get a pint of Ben and Jerry's or whatever. Isn't it wonderful? Oh. All humans have different things that they yeah. like and that please twist. them. Twist. Twist, right? Twist. Oh, twist always. Yeah. And oh. then always a wafer cone, never a sugar cone. I don't like a sugar cone, but that's Wait, the a wafer problem. cone, those squat ones that are, yeah. you're the only person I know eats those. No, Carla. No, I had it backwards. I don't like those. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's like eating wet cardboard. You know, your mom would always buy those, like in the seventies. Like they buy the box yeah. of them, and the like comet, and they would buy the ones that have different colors. I'm like, mom, these still taste like cardboard. I would They're just terrible. eat. I would just eat those. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. All right. Another question: Wet, hot American summer mm. or vacation? Ooh. Yeah. I I I I grew up with a Christy Brinkley poster yeah. on the back of my uh, <laughs> door, so yeah. I'm going vacation all yeah. day. 
Chevy Chase. The Griswolds. Come on, this sandwich tastes. Funny. And that show, <laughs> that show holds up. That movie holds up. Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, frozen margarita or pina colada. Mmm. Oof. How many am I having? One. It's pina colada. Mm. I'm going to go, if I'm having one pina colada, if I have more than one, I'll go frozen margarita. No, the BA's best pina colada recipe for anyone who now wants a pina colada is just impeccable. What, what is it exactly? It's Coco sweet. Lopez. It's Coco Lopez ice. What is Coco Lopez? Uh, sweetened coconut milk. Okay. Mixture. Right? Yeah. Mixture, yeah. yeah. Um, Brad Leone, he wrote this recipe. He developed the recipe, and he says... You can use frozen pineapple that you like buy in the bag, but he really wants you to buy pineapple, cut it up, and freeze it. Made a huge difference wow, in okay. the flavor. All right, so, so it's cut up pineapple, Coco Lopez, ice, and rum. Yeah, and, and then it. and the, and a he puts a cherry on it, and then there's an optional rum floater. Oh, right, but I think it's, deadly. it's better. I, a pina colada needs overproof rum, mm-hmm. so stuff that's like yes. the higher the alcohol, the the, the better the flavors, especially right. when it's frozen, like right? That. And that blended, yeah. yeah, 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 delish. Um, yeah, um, and it's like ten forty five right now. <laughs> I could totally <laughs> pound a pina colada yeah, right now. Last question: mustard or mayo? God, that's really hard. You get one of them for the. For, for the summer, which one's it going to be? Yeah, it's got it's got with a tomato. It's got to be mayo for me. It's mayo. Break then what's on the hot stuff. dog? Yeah. Just a tomato sandwich. Yeah. Um, I find. Listen, I'm 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 an avowed mayo lover. I will eat just mayo on bread straight. But also mayo is there's it's multifunctional. Mm-hmm. Mustard, less so. I love mustard. You know, I love a mustard on a dog. I love some Dijon with some steak. I love you know. I'll throw some Dijon in a salad dressing. Right. But I don't know know if I need it. I gotta have mayo. Yeah. You're not having a BLT without mayo. That'd be the most depressing thing ever. Yeah. But but if you're uh, you don't like corn dogs, do you? I think they're overrated. Mm. You have two bites, and you're like, I'm good. But you only have one. If you go to the carnival or the fair in Maine, you have one corn dog a year. No, but somewhere I was recently, was it a BA? I can't remember. They did like corn dogs essentially the size of a pig in a blanket. Right. And that was perfect. It was. It like was. The ratio was okay. They, they got the ratio okay, so it wasn't too much breading, but it was like, oh, a couple of these swabbed in some, you know, deli mustard. And you're like, that was You awesome. do need mustard, though, for that. Yes, absolutely. Carla Lolly Music, Andrew Knowlton, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Yeah, remember, it's not over yet. <laughs> Later, guys. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Emma Wurtzman and Carrie Polis and edited by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Grady's with additional music by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.